Good morning. Good to see you today. We are glad that you're with us today. We're excited uh, that you're here. We're excited that Brian's here. So let's give Brian another hand. We're glad that he's with us today. And starting this new journey, it's good to have Brian's parents with you with us today. I know you guys didn't want me to embarrass you, but I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Let's welcome Brian's parents. They're here today. Glad you're here. Excited about a lot of things. Excited about Pastor Adam's message last week. Didn't he do a good job? Yeah, give him a hand. I'll tell you what I'm not excited about. I'm not excited about Jim retiring. Uh, but at the same time, we are excited to let Jim and Leah and their family know how much that we love them. And uh, we're going to have a time, as I mentioned in, on the announcement, to just celebrate with them and remember them. And also just to uh, thank them for all they've done and continue to do. And so I hope that you'll come and be a part of that as we talked about. Um, we're in a series called More Than Happy. And in this series, if you're new today or you've missed this series, we've been talking about what God wants to do in us and through us is more important than what God wants to do for you. What God wants to do in us and through us is more important than what we want God to do for us. Essentially what we're saying is God values holiness over happiness. And I was thinking about what Adam just mentioned here a minute ago. God's more concerned about how we handle the storms of life than the actual storms of life. Did we get that? God's more concerned about how we handle the storm than he is about the storm itself. But most of us, me first, most of us are more concerned about the storm and how, what our comfortability level is in the storm and how long the storm's going to last. Those are the things that we're concerned about more than we are about the character that the storm could produce in us. We may not like that, but that's the truth, isn't it? We value being happy more than we are holy. But the truth of the matter is, God wants to finish what He started in us. And as we spend time in God's Word, as we come together to worship Him, and as we seek the Lord throughout the week, God begins to move in us, and and we begin to seek holy over happy. But you know, when we take that time off from God's Word, and we take that time off from, from church, and spending time together with Him, and alone with Him, what ends up happening is, if we're left up to our own hearts, which Scripture says is evil of them themselves, we begin to value that happy thing over that holy thing. When we're left up to our own demise, we can't trust ourselves, can we? The other day, I was watching Luke, Whitney was at work. And I let him go outside in the backyard by himself. So I'm not supposed to let him do that, so don't tell Whitney. But I let him go outside, and what you don't know is my bedroom window, our bedroom window is right out the back door, out the backyard. So I opened up the screen, and I was just watching him out there. And I said, before he went out there, I said, Luke, I don't want you playing in the mud. You know, don't get your clothes dirty. And I kind of left him to his own demise. You know what he did? He went and played in the mud. Got his shoes dirty, so I hid those shoes from my wife, and I just went and bought a new shoe. No, I'm teasing. It, I'm just kidding. But, you know, when he's left up to his own demise, he doesn't always make the right decisions as a four-year-old now. And, you know, we're the same way. When, we don't have, when we're not spending time with God, we're not walking with God, we're not getting in His Word, and all of a sudden a storm comes up and we're persecuted. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks on Good Friday. 
When we have things that come up to us, happen in our lives, and we haven't been walking with God and talking with God and spending time with God, all of a sudden the holy thing goes out the window and the happy thing's front and center, and we're miserable and everything else in life is miserable, and we just chuck all of it, and we just turn into Miss whoever or Mr. whoever, and we're negative and we're hating life, and why is that? Because we all of a sudden have been left up to our own heart because we're not seeking the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think Jesus understood that, and that's why he got up on a soapbox on top of a mountain when all the disciples and everybody else was gathered around, and he began to preach. And I mean, he preached, and he preached, and he preached for two chapters, talking about the fact that I don't care about happy. I care about holy. I heard last week as Pastor Adam talked about God wants us to be happy. He cares about the things we care about, but he's never more concerned with happy than he is holy. If you were to think of a cake and icing, happy is the icing. Holy is the cake. Holy is the meat and potatoes. There's times where everything lines up right and we're able to be happy. There's times where there's no rain and the weather's just right and the sun's out. And there's other times where it's not, isn't it? And if we're based in our lives. I'm sharing this today because somebody's here for the first time. I'm sharing this today and I'm stopping here for just a minute because somebody's in the middle of the storm and you can't see anything else but the storm. And God's saying, I want to shape myself in you. And Jesus starts talking about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. He lists several things, and today we're landing on Beatitude number 6, and here's what Jesus said. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Let's say that together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they they will see God. So as I was looking at this, there's several things that, that jump out here, and as we were studying this and looking at this, The word pure is talking about without stain. It's talking about um, being holy. It's talking about being clean. And the word heart is not talking about the 750 gallons that our heart pumps every nine hours. What the what heart is talking about specifically in this passage of Scripture is the centerness of our being. Is the core of, of, of right and wrong. It's how we view life, how we do things. So when he says more than happy are the pure, are the clean, whose center is on me, they will see. And when we think of the word see, we think of heaven and it's partially right. But it's saying they will be able to see clearly. I played paintball when I was a youth pastor quite a bit. And I love playing paintball, but your goggles fog up and you can't see very well. And there's this middle school girl who's on the other side, and I popped over the hill to shoot her, but my glasses weren't on very well, and I, I couldn't see exactly where she was. And she shot me right in the Adam's apple with a paintball gun. So I took my gun, and I threw it at her. And, but it's not only talking about heaven, but it's talking about being able to see correctly. So that when you're a student and you're at the middle school and you're walking by and you see some kid sitting by themselves and you're pure in heart, in other words, your motives are are right and you're walking with God and all of a sudden you see that kid at the lunch table and before you didn't notice them, but now you're seeing right and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go sit by them. 
Or you're a teenage boy and you're pure in heart and all of a sudden you kind of realize you got this habit of being on the computer at 2 o'clock in the morning. Nothing's happened. You've not looked at anything you're not supposed to. But all of a sudden you're able to see and God begins to whisper to you, you know what, this is probably not a good schedule for me to be on. You're able to see. You're in a relationship, you're in college, and you're dating, and you're hanging out, and all of a sudden you're noticing you're spending way too much time alone. Nothing's happened. But all of a sudden you're able to see as God sees, and you realize, this probably is putting me in a situation. You know, it's a tornado watch. There's no tornado on the ground, but the environment is right. And you set some boundaries because you can see. Or you're in a marriage and you're struggling. And in the past, when she would say something or you would say something, you would fire back. But you can see you're pure in heart. You can see. And all of a sudden, God gives you eyes and says, don't say that this time, idiot. <laughs> okay, that was way too personal. Sorry. That was my own, that was my own thing there. Kind of got in there. Or you wish you were married. But something happened and he's, he's been gone or she's been gone. Or there was a death or divorce. And instead of seeing all that pain and all that hurt and all that bitterness, you're pure in heart and you're able to see through that and say, I know that God is carrying me through this and I'm going to trust him in the midst of this because I see that my God is bigger than my pain. I see that this storm is not the end. How I handle this storm is what God's after. God, if you want to use me in spite of what's happened to me, I'm good with it. Then we've got the kids are grown. And you're looking at the person next to you and you don't know them because all of your energy and effort wasn't spent on husband or wife. It was spent on the kids. And now you're looking across and you're seeing this spouse next to you and you don't know who they are. And what you want to see and what you want to feel is, I don't want to be with you, but God, you trust God. And you begin to see this and you begin to put more time and energy into that because you are singleness of heart towards God. Or you're in your 80s or 90s and you don't feel useful anymore and your spouse has been gone and you just feel like there's nothing for you and everybody, every life's passing you by and all you can see is death and I can't talk like I used to and walk like I used to and get around like I used to. And that's what you see. But as you align yourselves with God, God begins to put a burden on your heart for your neighbor, you know, that lives next door. And he puts a burden on your heart To pray for people. And where there was no value, all of a sudden you see value because you can see. Does that make sense? Because you're not divided in your heart. Conflicted between your sinful nature and the spirit nature. You have jumped into spirit nature. You have jumped into the fact that I don't have to sin in word, thought, and deed every day. Because the spirit doesn't sin in word, thought, and deed every day. My flesh sins in spirit and, you know, in word, thought, and deed. I'm having the spirit in my life. And I'm going to have a singleness of heart. And James says, come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between, let's finish it, God 
Paul understood that whole, I want to do what's right, but I end up doing what's wrong. I want to lose weight, but I eat brown. That's getting too close to home. I, I want to bite my tongue, but I end up saying what I don't want to say. Paul talks about this. He goes on and on for Romans chapter 7. Read Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 25. And he talks about that tension between wanting to do right, but doing what he hates. Wanting to do right, but doing what he hates. Wanting to do the right thing, but falling over and over again. Nobody in here can relate to that, can we? But Paul doesn't stop in chapter 7. He goes on in verse 25 of chapter 7 and then in in chapter 28 and says the answer to this dichotomy, this answer to bouncing back and forth between God's spirit and our sinful nature is Jesus Christ who came and paid the penalty for our death so that we didn't have to live in that tension. We could surrender our lives to Jesus and walk in his spirit. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. How do we do that? It starts with admitting that to ourselves and to others and mainly to God that our lives are dirty with sin and it needs to be washed. Someone who's been through AA, some of us in here probably have been through AA or some type of rehab before, you know that the first step to getting back on the right track is admitting that you have a problem. I have a drinking problem. I have a drug problem. I have some type of an addiction. We can't move into the next step until we admit that. And for some of us today, that's so fundamental. And maybe for a new person today, you've never stepped inside of a church before. You're sitting here, a bunch of people staring at you and shaking your hands. And this is all weird to you. And you're here, sitting here, but there's something inside of you that you know this is right. Folks, the first thing we got to do if we're going to be pure of heart is to admit that we're dirty. To admit that we need God to wash us. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided. I was watching Dr. Phil once. And this guy's on the TV with his wife. And he says, my wife thinks I have a drinking problem. I don't have a drinking problem. He said, you don't? Nope. Well, how many beers do you have a day? 17. Dr. Phil says, you have a drinking problem. He goes, I don't have one. He said, you have a drinking problem. And the whole show was dedicated to not how to get through it. The whole show was dedicated to him admitting he's got a problem. I land here for just a second. Because not only do we need to admit the problem... But we also have to admit we can't wash ourselves clean. My son Luke, he's getting, he's four years old and he wants to he wants to give himself a bath. He wants to do everything on his own. He doesn't want I don't need no help. I do myself. Noah do himself. Gracie do himself. Me do myself. I know, honey, but You can't always do it yourself because when you put your own clothes on, you take all the clean clothes out of the dresser and you dump them all over the floor when you do it yourself. 
You want to give yourself a bath, but then you put 20 gallons of shampoo on your head. And then you take one cup of water and think that it's clean. And then you burn, your eyes get burned. And then you're screaming at me. And then you get out of the tub and you can't find a towel. You can't do it yourself. But he tries. And gang, we try to numb what's going on in our life with alcohol or drugs or anything else big or small to try to get us clean. And the truth of the matter is, none of that stuff's going to get us clean. We need Jesus to wash us clean. Peter tried to do it himself. You remember when Jesus comes to him and says, hey, let me wash your feet. And, G- and Peter says, no, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, you can't wash your feet. No one else can wash your feet unless I wash you. Let's finish it. You won't belong. We all need to be washed. Specifically by Jesus. This is kind of an off the wall point, but I'm off the wall. But it's the truth. Cologne and perfume can only cover the smell so long. You know what I'm talking about. You get home from work and you got to be somewhere and you've been laboring outside, maybe in the yard or whatever, and you smell and you don't have time to take a bath or you don't want to take a bath. So what do you do? Get you some pine tree perfume, right? You rub yourself down, you spray yourself a cologne and you think you got it good, but people can still smell. Right? And we do that spiritually. We don't realize that we're trying to cover up dealing with what what the issue is. And we don't think anybody smells that we didn't take a bath. We just sprayed ourselves with cologne or perfume. And the truth is, it's still going to come out. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says you can't cover up your sin. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a what kind of heart? And an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of what kind of heart? Because what you say flows from what's in your heart. Eventually, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but eventually what's in your heart comes out. You can't keep spraying cologne and perfume on. At some point, you're going to stink because what's in your heart comes out. So we stink. That's great, Kyle. So we smell. This is a great sermon. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. It's because of that, because of God's spirit nature being so contrastly different than our sinful nature, God did what the law could not do. He sent who? His son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control. God declared an end to sin's control. With me. God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. What's that mean? God got washed so that we could get washed. God died in our place. God's blood was poured out in his his sin, our sin specifically, not his sin, our sin was nailed to, to the cross through Jesus so that we could be washed. He did this so that just requirement of the law would be fully what? Would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow 
the Spirit. We have kids. We've got grandkids. We've got nieces and nephews. Imagine if they were at your house. It was time for bed and you said, hey, you need to take a bath. And they looked at you and said, I took a bath four years ago. I don't need to take one now. Now you laugh, but some of us have grown up in churches that teach you if you've had one bath, you, don't, you shouldn't be taking a bath again. And if you need to take a bath again, there's something wrong with you. But folks, in the same way that we need a daily bath, we need daily cleansed by Jesus Christ to live the life that he wants us to live, to live that spirit life. We need to let God wash us, what? Daily to stay. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't need to always bite my tongue in the morning. I need to bite my tongue in the morning. I need to bite my tongue at lunch. I need to bite my tongue in the afternoon. And I need to bite my tongue at night sometimes. And sometimes by the time I get home, I bit that thing clear off. And the only way that I can keep biting my tongue when I want to say what I shouldn't say. You know what Paul said, I do what I hate. The only way that I can live and and not say what I'm supposed to say is to let God continually clean me. David said it this way. Some of you have read this. Search me, O God. And know my heart. And I got to tell you guys, I'm going to tell you this. If I'm left up to my sinful nature, not the spirit nature, my heart is evil. Jeremiah says that our heart without God is desperately wicked. Who can know it? What's that mean? I can't trust my heart. I wish there's some teenagers that understood that if they don't have God first in their life, they're going to be picking a spouse and picking a college and picking a vocation. And because God's not in their life and he's not in their heart, all of a sudden they're going to start making choices and they can't trust their heart. And they're going to be married to the wrong person, doing the wrong thing with the wrong people, doing the wrong thing for a living. And then all of a sudden when they do come to God, thank the Lord that we can come to God. We've got to live with choices that we've made. We're forgiven, but we've got to live with the choices. You know what I'm saying? And some of us in here, myself included, can testify to the fact that bad choices are forgiven, but the scars are there, aren't they? Myself included. We can't trust our hearts. But if God's heart, God's spirit is in me, and I'm fanning that flame that Paul talks about in Philippians, his spirit is guiding me. How do we let God search our heart? You know, we've all said this before when someone comes over to our house. Make yourself at, say it with me, make yourself. I've said it before, but guess what? I don't really mean it. When you come over to my house and I say make yourself at home, I don't really mean it. And if someone comes to your house and you say make yourself at home, you don't really mean it. You don't really mean that they can make themselves at home and go into your bedroom and start going through your drawers. What do you got in here? In fact, if you said make yourself at home and you went to get them a drink and you found them in your bedroom and they're going through your drawers, you wouldn't say, oh yeah, I told you to make yourself at home. You'd say, what are you doing? 
Well, you said make yourself at home. Well, I didn't really mean that. I meant stay in the living room and we'll bring you anything that you want. And you can choose what you're going to watch on the TV. And you know, those who are closer that we're friends with, really close, you can even go in the kitchen and open up our fridge if you want. But I didn't tell you you could go in the bedroom and go through my stuff. So when we say make yourself at home, we don't really mean it. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And we invite Jesus into our life and we say, make yourself at home, God. Mikasa Sukasa. And as long as God stays in the living room, you know, He doesn't ask us to give our money. He doesn't ask us to give our time. He doesn't ask us to give our talents. He doesn't ask to go through and start meddling through our drawers. As long as He just stays in the living room and, and you know, does what, what good, you know, God just asked me, doesn't ask me to do anything, I'm good with Him. Make yourself at home. But when God wants to go into different rooms, you know, Kyle, I was going through your dresser. I was noticing some stuff in there. When you get upset, you need to get rid of that because you don't handle that right when you get upset. You're more focused on the situation that made you upset than you are the fact that I'm really concerned about how you handle the situation. Lord, I, I said make yourself at home in my living room. God, make yourself at home, but don't talk to me about the computer. People say to me all the time, Pastor Kyle, why do you talk about the computer all the time in church? Just seems like you mention that a lot. It is rampant in men's lives and even in women's lives. No one knows about it, but it's a secret drawer. Gossip is a secret drawer. Pride is a secret drawer. Grudges, you've never told anybody you're still angry, but it's in there. Does God have permission to search the drawers of your heart daily? blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God now here's here's where I cut the tension none of us when we ask God to search our heart is he always going to find clean drawers (laughs) sometimes he's going to look in there and be like Kyle you just cleaned that out a minute ago but watch that God's not trying to point his finger at us. He's wanting his image in us. And as we let God show us and teach us and move us and shape us, we move away from worried about negative feedback and we just start listening to God. I shared with you that I, I ask in between services what I can improve on. This morning after the 10 o'clock, I was feeling like, ah, that was bad. But I made myself go to Adam and say, what can I do to improve? And he told me a couple things. 
I could reject that. Or I could embrace the fact that I want God to use me. And if there's something in it that's not me, take it out. I want to share this with you. I know it's about time to wrap up. Some of us are asking why God's not moving in our life. And there's a hidden drawer that you haven't cleaned up. Or someone else created that hidden drawer in your life. You didn't ask for it. It was an uncle or it was a situation that shouldn't have happened. And and you need to forgive it and let it go. And you're holding on to it. And God says, I got more for you, but you got to let this go. Some of us are like the rich young ruler. We've got everything in order, but God's asking something else out of us. And we walk away sad because we're not willing to go that extra mile. But then we want God to bless our lives and it doesn't work like that. Some of us are complaining and griping, feeling justified for the, you know, not liking the storm we're in. And because that's our attitude and that's what we see, God, we're missing what God wants to do. We need to be washed. We need to realize that we can't wash ourselves. We need to realize that the cologne and perfume are only going to keep us clean for so long. They're not going to keep us clean long term. And we need to let God wash us daily. It's not a one-time thing. It's an all-day, everyday thing. Through surrendering our lives to Jesus Christ. The Bible calls this life a vapor. And we're going to spend eternity somewhere. Now think about that before we go eat. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. Are there any drawers in your life that need to be cleaned up? And the minute we confess that to God, he cleans us up. So as we stand together this morning, if you'd like to come and pray And invite Jesus to clean you up or invite Jesus again to clean you up or to pray that God would clean someone else up. But my prayer today is that God would give us clean hands and a pure heart to be what God has called us to be. Lord Jesus, thank you today that you love us, that you accept us in our dirt But you don't leave us there, Lord. Father, the goal of cleaning us up is not just to be right before God, but to be an ambassador for Christ so that others can be cleaned up. Search the drawers of our heart today. And Father, if you whisper in our ears something that needs to be taken care of, may we be obedient. If you love me, you will obey my commands. May we be obedient to Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you today that you're patient with us. Father, I don't think today you're wanting us to feel bad about ourselves and just sit around, Lord, moping. But Father, today I believe that you're calling us to just be washed clean today. Whether it's salvation, whether it's saying yes to the plan and the purposes that you have for us and we're like Jonah and we just keep running from you. We believe in you, but we don't want to do what you've called us to do and we need to just say yes to that. If we're washing our hands, Lord, through committing to serve you or 
whatever it is. And Father, today, I pray, Father, that you would find us pure in heart, not because we're pure, not because we're worth it or earned it, but because you say we're worthy. You sent your son, Lord, because you love us. And you sent him to a cross, Lord, and he died on a cross so that we could be clean. Father, may we daily, through spending time with you and through your word, may you wash us clean so that we can see those around us that need you. Thank you for who you are. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have a blessed Sunday.